Welcome to this episode of Shoulder to Shoulder, where we strive to grow in love of the Lord and each other. I'm Pam Marvin, And I'm Megan Silas. And welcome to this 109th episode. It's so cool to have that many because, uh, you know, when I tell somebody that I do a podcast and I have never told this person before, it's like, oh, really? How long have you been doing that? Well, we've got over 100 episodes. That's so right. And they're like, Wow. So it's cool to have, you know, this volume of work that we can refer people to uh, if they're new to the to the podcast, because the neat thing about that is, is then, you know, they can scroll and look and see topics that are interesting to them. And so we've covered a lot of things. Over yes. the and I have to say, it's still such a pleasure to do this, Megan. I mean, I thanks to Dennis Maka and the Red Sea Radio for allowing us to do this podcast Absolutely. and all their support and, uh, Thanks be to God is for our friendship that helps us and grows us along the way. Well, that's what it's all about is trying to really um, model spiritual friendship in the podcast. So one uh, of a little teaser here. We've got a little new segment that we're going to be doing uh, starting in this podcast that we're hoping that people will enjoy and will start to become a regular part of our podcast, which we're hoping will kind of even go a little deeper into modeling kind of what communication looks like between two friends when you're actually being very intentional about it. So stay tuned for that. Mm -hmm. But uh, what are we talking about today, Pam? We are talking about spontaneous prayer. So I believe that this was one that I sort of brought to the table. And there's a couple of reasons that it came to mind. I think this idea of prayer that's not you know, a prescribed prayer, something that we read is tends to be a little bit of a discomfort place for Catholics. uh, A lot of times as as I've experienced it anyway, as a convert and both of us being converts, you know, maybe you have the same experience, but I don't know if you've ever heard this said, like if somebody, well, who wants to, you know, open us in prayer and it's crickets or people shifting in their chairs uncomfortably averting their eyes and and every now and then there's just like that one go-getter who's totally always ready to pray uh spontaneously but you know i think it's a beautiful topic to discuss because sometimes i feel there's a little misconceptions about what are the goals of spontaneous prayer and uh also when that Revival thing was happening. Um, how long ago was that now? You know, maybe eight months ago that where it started at Asbury College and really sort of spread itself out, out throughout the country where there's just these spontaneous worship and praise and prayer and everything was happening. And it seemed so organic and so responsive to the Holy Spirit. But if someone's not in a attitude where they're open to that, they're not necessarily going to be able to receive it. Right. You know, I want to jump in and say, I can remember a time when I was kind of in that situation within the Catholic world. I was unaccustomed to um, being prayed over, you know, and I remember feeling very uncomfortable. But at the same time, I remember the Holy Spirit really saying, no, you know, go with this. This is a good thing. You know, so I was like, I think as long as you're really docile to the Spirit, He can do really great things with a spontaneous prayer, but it is because there's a a vulnerability there that's huge. And, and me, I was like, what is going to 
shrink back a little bit and mm-hmm. felt because my little unworthiness wound starts hanging out going, don't pray over me. <laughs> I didn't want to be the center of attention, you know. So you're experiencing discomfort even being prayed over. Yes. So you're not the one, you weren't the one that was actually speaking the words. You were being prayed over. And so that's very a very uncomfortable. So yeah. that's even a discomfort in being in the presence of spontaneous prayer, um, which is maybe even a little more sensitive than the discomfort of being the one to lead a spontaneous prayer. So that's mm-hmm. sort of interesting. And so for you, it was really a matter of unworthiness is what you're saying that you felt like, but to say you felt unworthy of a spontaneous prayer indicates that you felt that there was value to it. There was oh, goodness to it. I knew it was, I knew in my heart that it was. Right. Well, I think uh, that's a good jumping off point to bring in the catechism because as I was preparing for this topic, I got in there. There's a, there's a whole section in the catechism on prayer in general. And beautiful. They talk specific, uh, it talks specifically, um, I think the most relevant part would be when it talks about vocal prayer. So the vocal prayer being prayer that's out loud. So when we talk about spontaneous prayer, there's kind of two ways to look at it. There's the spontaneous prayer that you do in a group setting where others are hearing you pray. And you're using whatever the words that come to you in the inspiration of the moment to pray out loud in the group. But then there's also spontaneous prayer just between you and the Lord. But we wanted to talk first about the more public setting because I think that's the one that people tend to struggle with more. And this is what um, the church through the catechism has to say about it. So this is 2701. It says vocal prayer is an essential element of the Christian life. To his disciples, drawn by their master's silent prayer, Jesus teaches a vocal prayer, the Our Father. He not only prayed aloud the liturgical prayers of the synagogue, but as the gospels show, he raised his voice to express his personal prayer from exultant blessing of the Father to the agony of Gethsemane. The need to involve the senses in interior prayer corresponds to a requirement of our human nature. We are body and spirit. And we experience the need to translate our feelings externally. We must pray with our whole being to give all power possible to our <sighs> supplication. Let me just rest in that. That's just yeah. so beautiful. Can we just pause to just <laughs> remind everyone that if you're not familiar with the words of the catechism or haven't really spent any time reading it, it really is beautiful. And there's so much right. wonderful things in there that I think we miss out on. Yeah, I have recommended it um, as a prayer companion for a person newly into the to the Catholic faith, which is my daughter-in-law. Uh, she's about a year now. And I told her, if you want to learn more about prayer, bust open that catechism and read those sections. They are beautiful. Yeah, and I honestly even give the catechism to a friend who's Protestant and told her, if you ever have a question about anything that the Catholic Church teaches, it's in here. Because honestly, the catechism is going to be able to explain things better than most Catholics are going to be able to explain it by quite a bit. And so if, if that's the place where they're getting their information, you can at least know that they're not being led astray by simply someone who's poorly catechized or right. doesn't have a good um, manner of speaking. And, and I need to remind everybody, it's a huge part of my conversion story. If you'll recall, uh, when I was at Texas A&M, I was a political science major and I had to do a, um, a research paper on just war 
I mean, oh, I remember yeah, that? That's right, yeah. yeah. And so basically what happened is I had to go to the library back then, you know, <laughs> went to the <laughs> library the and checked out a book. And what was the best resource for just war? The Catechism of the Catholic Church. And see how God was working on me even back then. So I started reading more and more of it. And I, I remember just like pointing at the book going, this is truth. This is mm-hmm. truth. And just like, oh, I'm getting chills just thinking about it because I remember that being like, wow, I've never experienced this. Yeah. Absolutely. And, it, it, and it teaches me how to pray, too. So I want to get back to that point that the catechism was making when it says that we are body and spirit composites and that when we pray in an integrated way using both our body and our spirit, it has great power. And I think that most Catholics would agree that we excel in using our bodies in prayer when it comes to prayer postures, you know, because we're, you know, accused in the mass as being like Catholic calisthenics, right? Where it's the up and the down and we're kneeling, we're standing, we're, you know, and then there's also the genuflecting and the sign of the cross. So we're doing all the stuff physically with our bodies. And yet, and we do our vocal prayers often communally, with the rote prayers that we have, the ones that, you know, everyone's sort of memorized our father being a perfect example. But I love the fact that the catechism points out before the, uh, the, our father was a rote prayer. It was a spontaneous prayer by Jesus. And so that's one of the things I think we forget Mm. all of these prayers for the most part, whether it, you know, excluding like liturgical prayers that were actually written to be in the mass a lot of these prayers of saints and everything are prayers that began as spontaneous mm-hmm. prayers mm-hmm. and have become part of the treasury of the Catholic church that we can call upon now. But the truth is, is that those prayers exist because the Holy spirit moved in the heart of an individual and they spoke them. You know, I want to reiterate that. <laughs> I really want to reiterate that. I think it's such an important point, Megan, that these spontaneous prayers, prayers do originate in our hearts moved by and from the Holy Spirit. Right. And that point I think is really important because one of the things that I think is the biggest issue that people have as it relates to doing a spontaneous prayer in a setting with other people is that they are conflating prayer with public speaking. Yeah. Do you know that public speaking is the number one phobia among human beings? No. Yeah. No, we don't have it, you and me. No, we don't. (laughs) But but clearly, but it really is. There are so many people are paralyzed by the idea of public speaking. Mm -hmm. And so if you're approaching the idea of a prayer out loud with other people around as simply a form of public speaking, that fear is going to get activated. Well, you know, another thing that sticks out is that it's, it can be the root sin of vanity. Like you are so concerned what other people are going to think and you're so, mm-hmm. you get paralyzed by what their opinion of you might be given what you're saying, if you mess up this and that. So that's a good um, check message. You know, like you need to check yourself to see if that's part of your reason that you really abhor it or. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or petrified maybe by you've. It had this experience where you've been in the presence of another person who just seems to rattle it off. They just boom, 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 boom. And it sounds so beautiful and so put together and, you know, and you just feel inferior to that. Like you just like, I can never do that. And if that's what praying spontaneously out loud is supposed to sound like, yeah, 
I'm not capable. And so that says that you think that there's some ideal, some plan that they're supposed to be. It's supposed to sound a certain way. I think that's the thing we really need to throw out the window. If it's authentic prayer, it's of the Holy Spirit. You know, it says in Romans that the Holy Spirit will intercede for us because we don't know how to pray as we ought. And Jesus says, don't prepare ahead of time. The Holy Spirit will give you, you know, the words. Yeah. And this one thing that I read a while back that I thought was so beautiful about this. It said that there are as many ways to pray are there as there are ways that people walk. So there isn't a prescribed way to do it. Because we are so individualized, thanks be to God, we're unique creatures created by our Lord, that it may come out differently. And that's beautiful. Absolutely. So I think that's a good idea. If you're struggling with the the concept of, I just can't do it. I can't pray out loud in, in public. Ask yourself, the why question, like that's always what we're trying to get at is to sort of understand the deeper, the interior. And just like you were saying, if it's vanity is like, I'm, I'm afraid that people aren't going to, you know, think good of me. They're going to think that I'm bad at this or, or maybe you think you're just going to completely freeze and nothing will come out or all these things that really, if you hear the way I'm talking, it's all very much self-focused, right? what people are going to think about me. Will I have the words? The way to move out of that is to think, what will God do in me? Can he be trusted if I step out in faith? Mm. Will he give me words? And the beautiful thing is it doesn't have to be this rattled off prayer that has all kinds of theological meaning and nuances and scripture quotations and things like that. It doesn't have to look like that at all. No. It could simply be, Lord, help us. Be present. Speak to our hearts. Like, come Holy Spirit. Simply that, mm-hmm. you know, whatever comes. So I would like to share a little personal experience of being in a situation of a setting, I would say, of spontaneous prayer. So not too long ago, I forget which episode it was. I think it was a couple episodes ago. I mentioned that I have a evangelical friend and, oh, I think it was the one where we were talking about how to talk with Protestants about the faith and kind of bring together um, some ecumenism. And I mentioned that I was going to be going to um, a praise service. It's not like a service. It was actually just like a home meeting at one of my friend's um, houses. And so I had the opportunity to do that uh, last week. And so I want to just kind of give sort of description about what that looked like and how I experienced it. So when you, when it started, they were, they're reading, um, scripture together. So they had all sort of read a chapter of Isaiah. They're in the book of Isaiah, which is great for me because it's my favorite Old Testament book. Um, And so what my friend did was she took a little passage from the, from Isaiah that they had been reading. 
just read it out loud, kind of gave a little, what I would call exegesis on it, just kind of unpacked it a little bit. And then after that, we went into a period of praise and worship where using um, video of, you know, live praise and worship service, she had selected songs that had to do with the passage of Isaiah that they had been reading and she had unpacked. And so there was about, I'd say 45 minutes, maybe 30, 45 minutes of we're just singing along with this um, video. And as uh, in Protestant, more Protestant type praise and worship or more charismatic, I would say would probably be the better way to put that because in the charismatic Catholic world, this also happens. Um, There's often after the main song goes, they have a period that's more just like instrumental and then people will kind of just spontaneously pray with the music. They might uh sing their own words that come to their heart. They might sing in tongues and so amongst this group of people, you know, this is just sort of happening. And it was for me absolutely beautiful to just be in the presence of other Christians who are completely opening themselves up to the Holy Spirit and just willing to express whatever it is that came to their heart in the moment. And it was in a sense at that point, there's no focus on any one individual. We're just all kind of in it together But the neat thing about it was it was very harmonious. Mm. Even though there were different voices doing their own thing, it just seemed to come together in like this melding. And it really reminded me of that quote I love from um, C.S. Lewis, where he says, "In, in heaven, there'll be only music and silence because all sound will be harmonious. Wow. And so I felt like it was almost like this foretaste of of what it's like to just worship in unity. And so beautiful. So then after that period of time, they, after the praise and worship, they had some free time to just share, like, what did you experience? How did this touch your heart? And so this is kind of how I came in with my Catholicness (laughs) because the part of Isaiah that we sit that we read was him having a vision of the throne of God Mm. and of the seraphim and the cherubim worshiping God. And it's where in scripture we get holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. So as they're reading that and then unpacking it, and then we're having all these songs that have holy, holy, holy in them. You know what's going through my head, right? I'm like, like, they don't even know. They don't know that we sing this every time at mass. And, And I just was like, I want to share with them the Sanctus, this ancient, beautiful chant. And so at the end, when, you know, there was the open time to just share, I just said to them, I was like, y'all, you know, I just wanted to share with you this beautiful ancient Latin chant that is based on the words of the seraphim. And so I sang it in Latin. It was so neat. It was because they just, it was so quiet. It was like, I could hear like a pin drop as I was doing it. And, uh, they, uh, look at like the Holy spirit just is going off right there (laughs) anyway. So, and they just listened. And afterwards there was like this moment of silence and they, they just said, that was beautiful. And it was this moment of understanding that these things resonate with the heart 
people who are putting themselves in the place to receive the Holy Spirit. And it really seemed to me like what can happen when you let your guards down and with true joy in the Lord and desire to grow closer to him, Mm. you can find a unity with each other that is other. Beautiful. It's really neat. Yeah. All right. So I think it's time for our new little, little segment, which we are now calling our temperature check. Yes. So we're going to take a temperature check about how we're feeling in the moment about how things are going right now. Good. All right. I always love being with you and listening to you. And it brings up a lot of, um, other times we've experienced it together, you and I, our friendship. We've had some spontaneous prayer quite a bit that is beautiful and lovely and um, n- not afraid, n- you know, very unashamed when when you grow, draw really close to someone, say like you and I with, with being very good friends, very close, dear friends, um, and al- also with other people too. So in a communal way, um, I already told my experience about that. Um, the personal prayer too is just this grown over the years. And you, I think the thought that's come to my mind because, in a way, it's almost unfortunate that you and I are both comfortable with spontaneous prayer because we can't speak to what it feels like to be um, anxious about it. So the thought that I had was, how could I? encourage someone who has that anxiety to try to help them draw out of themselves a little bit and to leave that fear behind and, and to feel more comfortable stepping out um, in willingness to pray spontaneously in a group setting. So do you have any thoughts about how one could do that? The first thing that comes to mind would be um, just increasing that trust in the Lord. Like, just remember, it's not about you. It's not how you're feeling. It's, it's, don't be so much in your head, you know, open your heart to the Holy Spirit um, to, to claim his peace he wants to give for you. Yeah, I think definitely. And I th- maybe it's because I'm always ordered towards the asking of questions. It would be to really with a lot of charity and understanding that this is, could be a really deep, deep seated fear for them to try to help them understand more fully where the fear comes from. Like, so to ask some questions, well, what is it that you're afraid might happen if you do it? And respond to that, you know, or, have you ever done it before and had a, you know, a negative experience? Yeah. I mean, I can, I can play advocate here and say, you know, I, I'm worried about not having the words and then messing up my words. Mm-hmm. That that's a big part. And so. So what words do you think you need to have? Don't know. Steve, a lot of times people are really big planners and they cannot do things. Mm-hmm. So spontaneously. So then maybe you're getting at the point of to just simply give someone the permission to s- and say, you know what, if, even if it's just a word or two, that's beautiful mm. and lovely in the, in the eyes of the Lord. 
you know, and I think in a way, the, the thing that's coming to my mind right now is the, um, the Jesus prayer, you know, Lord Jesus, son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Mm -hmm. I mean, how simple of a prayer that is, right? And so our spontaneous prayers don't need to be any more extensive than that. Jesus, have mercy on us. Mm -hmm. Jesus, forgive us. Father, show yourself to us. Like whatever it is. And I, to say, you know, it doesn't have to be anything dramatic, drawn out. You know, sometimes brevity is great. It's yeah. the best. Because you know what? I'm going to be completely honest here. You ever been in a spontaneous prayer situation where someone gets a little too wordy and you get, you start losing your yeah. spirit and you start thinking like, wow, are they ever going to wrap yeah. it up? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, that's another uh, reality that um, it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be involved and uh, to give people the permission to, to make it simple and just heartfelt. That's right. Whatever comes to your heart. It's great. It's perfect. That's exactly what it's meant to be. Yeah. And, and now, if you're good, we're going to go ahead and talk about um, the other type of spontaneous prayer. Now, we, first we talked about in a in public, public setting, and now we're going to talk about it in more of a private setting between like friends and spouses. And also just within your own heart. And within your own heart, for sure. Yeah. And it's interesting that the, the spouses thing, that's a toughie, you know, because I find that if you were to poll most at least women, I can't speak to men, but if you were to pull most women and you ask them, who do you feel more comfortable praying with your friends or your husband? <laughs> most of the time I'm mm. thinking the women are going to say they're friends unless you happen to have a great, really, you know, marriage where you set that tone really early. Um, well, no, I can speak to that. So go, you speak to it then. Okay. So um, in my relationship with my husband, he was very uncomfortable with it. So as I started getting deeper and deeper into my faith, it was a big desire I had to be able to pray with my husband because, you know, it's like that was the pinnacle to me to get to pray with your husband. That's like so cool Two became one, your prayer intentions and so forth. Well, he had kind of a reversion hmm, about four years ago, like just a deeper conversion into the faith. And I had been asking him, just knocking on that door for years. Do you want to pray together? No, no, not comfortable. But after time of in not being as persistent maybe as I could have, he started opening up and saying, yeah, yeah, that's good. And it started with um, reading the gospels together in the morning and just reflecting on it, kind of a lecto divina, mm -hmm. which we still do. And after he got really comfortable with that part of it, um, I was like, you know, let's just do some more spontaneous prayer. And he's like, you go first, <laughs> which he doesn't do that all the time now. And um, I find that to be one of the more beautiful, fruitful prayers that we have. And this is someone who is super uncomfortable with it. Mm -hmm. to, moving to that point of where he would pray over me and for my day and my needs and my heart and my goodness. Um, and I would do the same for him and his you know, struggles with work or whatever it could be in his day. Um, and I found to be... Now, that prayer with him is one of the most powerful prayers that I can experience on a, on a smaller scale like that. Mm -hmm. And that's beautiful. And praise be to God for that development in your, in your marriage. I have a question, though, about your husband, because I know that you've told me that he's very engaged in men's group mm -hmm. and really finds that to be a fruitful part of his spirituality. 
before he was, you know, comfortable praying with you, was he more comfortable praying in the men's group? That I don't know. No, that that'd be interesting I, to find out. I don't know. And I, well, and the other side is that do they pray spontaneously? You guys in in the control room, y'all need to go to the men's breakfast, St. Thomas Aquinas, on Thursday mornings and tell me. Okay, it's, it's <laughs> men trying, only. Trying to recruit some spies <laughs> on your husband. I'm not sure that's the best. To, <laughs> but one of the things I would say though, the difference is if you're talking about what's the what's the the deep difference between a more public spontaneous prayer and a prayer that happens in the intimacy of relationship, like deep relationship, whether it's a spouse, a really close friend or family member, or even the deepest one, which is the Lord himself. In the public prayer, I think that it tends to be the anxieties are more of the kind of vanity thing, the like, am I going to do it well? Am I going to flub my words? And, you know, this kind of thing is it, is the performance quote unquote going to be good. But when you get into that more intimate setting of relationship, I think that prayer activates a very deep place of vulnerability. Amen. And often we're afraid to show that part of ourselves the deepest desires of our hearts, the places where we fear we don't live up to who we want to be or who we think God wants us to be. Our sinfulness, our fears, all of those things can be revealed in an authentic prayer. And so it's that fear, I think, that becomes more the issue in private prayer and I often find that when I talk to directees about their prayer with the Lord, when they tend to be stuck, and I'm going to use the word stuck because I think you really do need to move out of this place. When they tend to be stuck with, I pray my rosary, I pray my chaplet, I pray, you know, this prayer, that prayer, I've got this novena, I've got this litany. All like, good, all They're good beautiful, things. wonderful things, but it's like... So when are you bringing your heart to the Lord in a really unstructured way, just tying together? Because an analogy would be, you know, say you're in a dating relationship and you only ever go to movies, watch TV, read books, you know, maybe out loud, or you, you do all these things that are other people's words, other people's experiences, you know, whatever it doesn't build intimacy right, right. as much. Now, obviously when you're, say for example, you're playing a rosary and you're contemplating and, and you can bring that into that structure. But I really feel that in the deepest places of ourselves where we just bring ourselves. Yeah, yeah. We find so much opportunity to come to know the Lord in a new and different way and honestly come to know ourselves in a new and different way. But it takes a willingness to be vulnerable. Absolutely. I have a little practical tip of a, a, what I do that is maybe an easy way for someone to get started who's not real comfortable with really personal, spontaneous prayer with the Lord and being alone with the Lord. And this is not original. <laughs> um, a priest once said the prayer simply as, you know, he looks at me and I look at him. And I've kind of taken that a little bit further is to um, I 
express my love to him and he expresses his love to me. So it's, it's this communal like to love and be loved in that moment. And that's all it is. It could be imaginative prayer where your favorite image of Christ's face comes to mind and you sit and be loved and love. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a good place to start. As we start to wrap this up, is there any, right. any other kind of practical tips you can think of? Yes. I think one of the ways that I've really encouraged some of my directees to engage this is through the examine, the daily examine. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of times we, because we're so used to the term examination of conscience in, in terms of preparing for confession, we simply are trying to figure out what is this, all the ways I messed up today in our examine, our daily examine. But really the depth of what the examine as it relates to St. Ignatius of Loyola and what he was trying to encourage people to was, is not so much that, but really looking at your day completely with how you responded to God's invitations of grace. So there's going to be some really good stuff in there, hopefully, and some ways that you fell short. But the way that I try to help people enter into it is I ask them to imagine themselves taking Jesus by the hand and walking back through their day with him and looking at everything that happened together. And when something you know, stands out to you, talk to him about what you were thinking, what you were feeling, why you did what you did. And, and if there's something in there that you don't understand why you did what you did, you say, Lord, I don't understand why I, I didn't, you know, speak kindly to that person or why I was short with my children or, you know, failed to be generous here. Like, help me understand. How did you see it? And it, I even encourage them to use a physical thing. Like for me, I, when I do it, I have a little crucifix and I hold it like where to my head, where my head is pushed up against his head mm-hmm. so that we're like, our minds are, are meant to be one. And I'm really looking through my life with him. And then the, what I like to talk about is um, it's like being in the garden of Eden before the fall when Adam walked with Jesus in the cool of the day, or Adam walk with God, it says, but in my mind, it's Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the cool of the day. Same thing. <laughs> right? So they're walking together. And I just imagine Adam like being like, man, look how beautiful your creation is. Look at that flower. Look at that animal. And Lord, why is that animal doing that? I don't really get that. <laughs> you know, and the Lord just kind of unpacking things for Adam and, and teaching him. And and that's what we can do with the Lord. And that's a beautiful image. So I, I like that as a way to enter in. And I think as, as the more you get used to just really right. conversing with the Lord as a friend and as a lover, and the more natural this becomes. One of my favorite phrases is to think of him as the sweet guest of your soul Amen. that accompanies you everywhere. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I think that's it for today. And we are excited about our next few episodes because we're starting a new little um, series. Yes, we are. And this was yours. This is your idea. So why don't you introduce it? We're going to start a series on the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. Charity. Yeah, whatever you want to call that. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that, but it's really been on my heart lately. And um, so I'm looking forward to unpacking it with Megan and getting her thoughts on it. Right. So I hope you all uh, will tune in for our next episode, which we will start with faith. 
So until then, hope you will remain united with us in prayer. God bless. God bless. God bless.